we are lucky to live in times where we can access all knowledge known to man at the tip of our fingers. Just by listening, we can learn valuable information that our ancestors would have fought wars for. But what use is having all this knowledge if you don't apply it? That's what we're about. We're a couple of young Aussie blokes hailing from Sydney. We love learning about how to improve our lives and get the most out of it. But we've come to the realization that there's no point knowing all this without any action. So our message is simple. First listen, then do. Learn and then apply. Take action. We are the Listen and Do Podcast. Hey guys and welcome back to the Listen and Do Podcast. This is your host Lawrence and I'm here today with Drew. How's it going? Very well, mate. How are you? I'm all right, mate. So, um, amongst other things, and if you haven't lived under a rock for the last couple of weeks, um, you know that we are in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. so, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and as much as I don't like talking about it, I think it's necessary that we do talk about it, mm-hmm. just so people can kind of gauge and see what they have access to and what help they can get so today we're talking about the um financial side of it so the financial help that you can get from the government or other uh like the taxation office or whatever um and this can help you get through any difficult times you might be having if it is like with paying rent or um just paying off a mortgage or just you know getting another meal yeah uh, Yeah. have you done much research into this um you know me, mate. I, I usually like to write notes for things. So I've this morning, well, not even really the morning, um, late morning, I, I woke up, slept in, but I spent about, I don't know, maybe half hour or so just scrolling through the internet, um, reading up newspaper articles and looking at government websites on the various um, means of financial assistance that the federal and state governments are issuing to Australians uh, across the country. I have to admit it's quite confusing, and I understand why there's a lot of people out there who are still not clear on what they're entitled to and what they can claim and how to claim it. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully we can shed some light on that and uh, make things a bit easier for our listeners in understanding what is on offer. Yeah, sounds good. Um. So, from what I've researched, I could only find maybe two things that would kind of help you. So, uh, one is the job seeker and one is the job keeper. Um, So, that's kind of government schemes that let you uh, get some sort of, you know, revenue or income in. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that I could see was being able to access your super early. Yeah, Yeah, that's another key one. And then I'll just add on to that as well. Um, If you're renting, you can potentially um, put a pause on your rental payments with your landlord. And then if you have a mortgage as a business, a small business, or um, in some cases, if you're a landlord, so say, for example, you have an investment property and you have tenants, Mm -hmm. you can also request the banks to put on a hold on your mortgage repayments. I guess with any kind of mortgage, really, if you're just yeah. struggling, they can freeze the mortgage for six months. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, we'll go through that in a bit. So I don't know if there's anything else. Um, 
that's all I could find with my research. I think they're the main ones. And to be fair, like, we really should just focus on the ones that affect everyday Australians because that's what matters. Yeah, definitely. So let's start off with the um, job keeper. Job keeper? Yeah, sure. So I don't know when it came out, the date. I think it came out like sometime last week. Um, they went through the job keeper payment scheme. Mm-hmm. So um, from my understanding, this allows small businesses to um, gain or access 1.5k per fortnight for the next six months if you're eligible um, and that is up to the employer's discretion how they want to distribute that so they can either keep the business alive or they can choose to pay staff or etc etc that's my understanding is that similar to what you think yeah, that's that's what I've read as well, and that's my understanding. And I think because the job keeper payment scheme came out after the job seeker payment scheme, uh, there's been a bit of confusion and also some questions around that, and which has resulted in some overloads on the online systems and platforms and causing them to crash. So people aren't sure, you know, whether they're entitled to job keeper or job seeker. And then because job seeker came out first. I think a lot of people have applied for job seeker, but now are thinking, oh wait, should I be applying for job keeper instead? And what does that mean for my pending application? Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it's, it's all pretty confusing. It's all, it's definitely <laughs> confusing. Even the names like sound the same. So I mean, uh, like this isn't a political podcast, um, and I think you know politics is always a very divisive topic. I'd just like to say that it's good. Like I, I've been happy to see that. There are some, I guess, benefits that are being handed out to people who need it. Um, but also, if I had to maybe, I guess, I don't know, give one criticism, it's just that it has been given in the most um, clearest manner. Like the job keeper and job seeker is creating a lot of confusion. And I think a lot of the systems that were in place weren't built to take on the number of claims at the same time. Definitely. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that into politics either. So I can't really say much about that. Um, okay. So you are entitled to JobKeeper if you run or own a small business. Um, and depending on how big or small the business is, if you've had a drop in um, revenue of thirty percent to fifty percent, then you should be able to access that benefit scheme. Um, not as important if you are just employed, but for employers, it gives them the opportunity to kind of keep you afloat as well. So yeah. that's definitely a good thing. Um, anything else you want to add with JobKeeper while we're there? Yeah, sure. So I think if you're an employee of a small business, as an example, um, it's really uh, on your employer to ensure that you're getting these payments. So I would advise that you get in touch with your employers and ensure that they've registered for the job seeker, sorry, job keeper, (laughs) my apologies, um, job keeper with a K, um, that they've applied for this and are being paid these entitlements because that should flow on through to you. Um, And who does this apply to? Um, 
So I guess that's another natural question to ask. And it only really applies to Australian citizens or if you're on a permanent visa or um, I guess if you're a special category, um, or like you have a special category visa. So I think that's in reference to New Zealanders. So um, JobKeeper is available to New Zealanders um, who have made Australia home but have not gone through the citizenship process. Um, but the issue with the JobKeeper is that it leaves out a significant amount of people who are on temporary visas so they don't have that special category, mm-hmm. uh, including many foreign students. Fair enough. Yeah. And they tend to work in the lower paid jobs, generally speaking. So, yeah. I mean, if you come from overseas, you might be working a part-time job in a restaurant and... I mean, we've heard the stories. A lot of employers out there pay them a lower pay because, you know, they don't – yeah, they're desperate and as well as, like, I think they may not be entitled to uh, certain amounts of money. So their job – the employer can from time to time just be like, oh, take it or leave it. So yeah. it's it's a tough place to be. Yeah, definitely. Hard. What can you do, really? Yeah. Well, um, I guess we've kind of gone through the job keeper payment. So let's talk about, uh, sorry, just to recap, job keeper is $1,500 a fortnight. So $750 a week. Um, and there has been some criticism about this policy just because um, a lot of people who are on lower incomes are actually getting paid more than what they would actually earn including, for example, uh, young people, uh, university students who may work a part-time or casual job, and now they're getting a lot more money than they typically would. So I think a lot of the taxpayers out there um, on full-time jobs have also expressed some frustration with the government about this. So I think at the end of the day, though, we need to ensure that this money is being spent uh, in a way so that it is benefiting the Australian economy. So that is you're spending your money, but you're spending it in small businesses. You're keeping jobs that way. You make sure people are getting paid and money is rolling through. That cash flow is coming through. So, you know, if you had an option between Coles and Woolies or like your local grocer, maybe go to local grocer, even if it's a little bit more expensive, using your Centrelink money. If, um, for example, you want to eat out, um, maybe just order food from the small business rather than the McDonald's or the KFC, which are, you know, massive companies. So maybe look out for the small guy using this money, seeing as you're getting it as a benefit as well. That's just my honest opinion. Sounds fair to me. I'm trying to keep the small businesses alive, really. So that's job keeper. Let's talk about job seeker. So um, my understanding is it's kind of like new start where if you're looking for work or you've recently been um, out of work and also looking for jobs, um, then you're entitled to 1100 a fortnight mm-hmm. uh, just to keep you afloat while you're finding another job. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's right. So um, that's my understanding as well. Um, so just to go through some of the categories of employees. So the job seeker payment, and this is um, from a article that I read, the job seeker payment is actually available to employees that have been stood down or let go. Mm-hmm. So they've been made redundant, for example. 
are sole traders. So if you run a business um, and you're the only person who owns that business, so it's like just the one owner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're self-employed, if you're a casual worker, if you're a contract worker and you meet the income test um, as a result of the economic downturn due to the coronavirus. So that is, I guess, what you're entitled to. Mm-hmm. Um so I was reading another article in the Sydney Morning Herald about it, and it was basically a comparison of the two payment schemes. And I liked the start of the article just because it just went straight to it and just said, this is what you should go for and this is why. So so the lady, the journalist, she said that ideally you want a job keeper, so with a K. Mm-hmm. This is firstly because the whole point of the payment is to actually keep your job even if it is in a dormant lower paid capacity. Like I guess um, you're working less hours, for example, that would be considered a lower paid capacity or um, you've actually been told that, okay, you need to just use your forced leave for the next few weeks and then afterwards we'll figure it out and you're not working at all, that would be dormant. Um, And the second reason is that it's more money. I guess, you know, who doesn't want more money? Job seeker is about 1100 and JobKeeper is about 1500 per fortnight, and it's for up to six months. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know if you had anything else to add to that, but JobSeeker, I feel like um, JobKeeper seems to be the better one to go for. It, it definitely is the better one. It's, it's, I feel like it's try, trying to keep you employed, um, but if, if worse comes to worse and you do need to find a job, then at least there's a bit of support yeah. to give you while you're doing that. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the other concepts then. Um, do you mind explaining, Lawrence, what are the government policies with respect to super? So what can people start doing with their superannuation? And maybe even start off, like, you know, mindful of there might be some young people listening to this. What is the point of super? Yeah. So um, if you're really struggling, um, the government's given you the opportunity to access up to 10 grand of your super um, just to use it as cash from my understanding Um, and that's only if you're really struggling so if you're unemployed um, you're trying to receive youth allowance job seeker job keeper um, or you're on some sort of um, pension so that could be a care pension or age pension or anything like that so super is Australia's safety net. So that's for your um, it's savings for your retirement. So uh, the government figured out that we're terrible at saving. So they pretty much enforced saving on us. So a percentage of our income is put into a super account, which is a um, kind of like a stock slash savings account that we can access on your retirement. Um, does that sound fair? Yeah, that sounds fair. I think so, yeah. I think the key point from that is that, you know, people have proved that they're not able to save their money responsibly, so the government has stepped in and ensured that from every pay uh, slip that we get a certain amount, so in this case 9.5% is uh, paid into a separate account and that's actually invested elsewhere. Okay. Cool. All right. So that is $10,000 of super in the financial year of 2019-20. So that means that this is um, from last year, July, up until this year, June. 
and then another $10,000 in the financial year of 2020 to 21. So that means from 2020 July through to 2021 June, you can access another 10 grand. So you can access up 20K. Um, now, whether that's the smart thing to do or not, um, I'll leave that to your interpretation. So there's arguments for and against it. Um, my personal preference is that I would not touch my super um, just due to the compounding effect over time that your money has. So unless I know that I'm going to be using this money to invest in something else, but if I'm going to be using this money to, um, I don't know, just live day to day, um, and I already have some money saved aside, then I'd rather keep my super. But I think that's what the government's point is. You know, if you don't have money saved up and you need some cash immediately, then you can access your super. No, but just Yeah, just be mindful, though. Like, when you take that money out and it's no longer compounding, the effects are multiplied over decades. Like, it can be a six-figure difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think there was a photo or like a... A screenshot online like if you take out 10 grand now in your 20s yep. that's equivalent to you taking out 14 oh wait 140 yeah that uh, look mate um there's always those kind of metrics i have no idea but i think that would make sense like i'm not surprised at all so imagine if it's 20 grand so that'd be multiplied even more yeah definitely so um not keep in mind i am not a like I have financial advisor or anything like yeah. that, but yeah. what I'm personally going to do is I'm going to keep my super in my super account mm-hmm. um, unless I'm struggling to get my next meal. That's when yeah. I would access it um, because in the long run, that's going to help me survive way longer in the future compared to right now. Agreed. Yeah. Well said. I think that's why in previous podcasts when we have talked about personal finance, we've always advocated having an emergency fund of, say, three to six months of your living expenses saved somewhere in cash. Yeah, cool. So All right. So I guess yeah, that's, that's super. About? Yeah, let's talk a bit about rent then. So what's your understanding, Lawrence, of um, if you're renting right now? So I think a lot of our listeners may be because we generally tend to have listeners in their 20s. Um, what would you be looking at and reading and what would affect you in the rental space when it comes to coronavirus? Yeah, so I don't rent, so I am not as aware with this stuff as Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you would be because you're you're renting, so you're a landlord, technically. Um, So you might know a bit, bit more about this, but from my understanding is you can choose to freeze uh, similar to your mortgage, freeze your rent for about six months um, while you're struggling. Um, but I think you just have to have a chat to the person you're renting off to see if you're mm-hmm. uh, allowed to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think think key word is struggling. So um, my, my tenant is a nurse, and so her job is secure. I, I feel like um, financially she is fine. I would say like... Um, that's as secure as you can be, like given that we're in a pandemic situation, to be a health worker um, and especially a health worker that's like essential health. So if you're a nurse, you'd probably be dealing with people that are literally coronavirus affected, right? So we need as many people like that. And I think, um, yeah, for sure, that is uh, 
probably why my tenant hasn't reached out about um, changing the payment terms. Mm -hmm. And I think from a landlord perspective, you need to have a bit of compassion. So, I mean, yes, you do buy property to, um, from time to time, if you buy it as investment, for it to make money for you and set yourself up financially so that you can look after your life. Um, but in these kinds of pressing times, you do need to look out for one another. And so if you do have tenants that are, you know, have lost their job, um, then maybe a bit of compassion can go a long way in terms of, uh, I guess, long-term keeping the client, uh, keeping the tenant there, and as well as maybe just getting a bit of a, I don't know if you guys believe it or not, but I always tend to do, uh, bit of good karma so yeah. you put a bit of good out there in the world it tends to come back to you yeah definitely. and you, even from a business point of view there are like so obviously travel has been seized mm. um so the whole tourism but, sector and airline sector yeah and i've i had a i've had a few co-workers and mates that had like travel plans and they're telling me that some companies like hotels etc wouldn't give mm. them refunds so they said that oh i'm never going to use that company again so yeah. Yeah. you know in the short term yeah you're losing a bit of money but you're kind of it's it's a show of goodwill you know so yeah. if, if you do give a bit of a refund then maybe in the future they'll be like oh these guys were good to me during a shitty time let's go back mm-hmm. to them you know for sure people are loyal to you if you're loyal to them and i think you should approach things from the long-term perspective so always play the long game don't sacrifice long game for the short game yeah, definitely. So don't buy, don't hoard a bunch of toilet paper and upsell it at like 50 bucks a roll, you ass. Yeah. Anyway. You're, you're a pretty shitty human being if you're doing that. <sighs> I, I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is rent. And I think key thing is you need to ensure that you have a genuine claim. So like, you know, you're, you're genuinely in financial distress. And as a flow on effect, um, look, landlords need to make their mortgage repayments. So tenants rent is helping them make that repayment. So if tenants are no longer paying, paying rent, then landlords have to pay the full mortgage repayment right to the bank. So that would mean as a flow on the landlord would need to have a discussion with the bank and explain to them, look, my tenant's no longer able to make the rental repayments, so therefore, can you put a hold on my mortgage repayments as well? So that's also a flaw in fact. So I feel like it's a three-way discussion yeah. between the tenant, the landlord, and the bank. Definitely. But, yeah, I feel like that last line was good. It's all about communication. So just make sure you can have a chat to whoever you're supporting or whoever you need support from and then they yeah. look after you. Agreed. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then in the small business space, it's the same. So um, a lot of small businesses are now applying for six-month moratoriums on payments. So that means, and I admit, I, I did not know that word before. I've heard of it, but uh, moratoriums just basically stay on, like a hold on any payments. And I feel very educated for being able to say that in a normal sentence. Yeah, I was going to say, bro, <laughs> that law degree coming through. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a six-month moratorium on payments for small businesses. So you can reach out to your lenders and ask them that, look, you know, I've had to let go of staff. Um, I've got no customers anymore. I can't make these payments. Can you put a freeze for six months? Hmm. Um, one thing that I would say though, guys, if you're listening to this, um, and if you are a tenant or if you're a landlord, um, or even if you're a small business, 
if you do have the money and you do have the cash and you're somewhat comfortable, just keep making your payments um, mm. because you're going to have to pay interest. Um, at the end of the day, the person who loans you money is not doing it out of purely goodwill, right? It's a business. They need to make money. So you, the amount that you owe still stays the same and the amount that it takes, like the total term of that period, is being extended. So interest is continually building on that amount owed. So you might not be paying $1,000 a month anymore, but then you, you'd probably incur, like incurring like uh, another 20 bucks extra in interest every month for like the next six months or so. So it's like if you can make the payment, just do it because interest is going to keep building up and you end up paying more and you're more out of pocket. Yeah, I think that was the biggest disclaimer that I had. Um, I was going to mention that just later on, but yeah, so if you do choose to freeze your mortgage or your repayments, um, the bank's still going to uh, compound interest what you owe them. So yeah, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you owe them one grand today, then next month you owe them like one point, one grand ten, and then it yeah. slowly accumulates to like 1.5 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are probably not that financially savvy. Mm-hmm. So they just think straight away, oh, sweet, okay, six months, I don't have to make any payments, so let me just apply for that. Yeah. Um, but, guys, there's always a catch. Always, yeah. Yeah. Ah, so this is the Listen and Do podcast. So what can someone do over the next couple of weeks or months even mm-hmm. um, in terms of their finances to help survive this pandemic? I think um, if you are working less hours or you've been made temporarily redundant, um, so this is another new word I learned, furlough, F-U-R-L-O-U-G-H, that's when you're still retained as a worker but you're not actually being paid just due to external, like, unprecedented uh, scenarios or situations, so like the coronavirus. So if you fall into that category, uh, get in touch with the government services and apply for job keeper payments with a K and um, ensure, or sorry, well, actually get in touch with your employer. My apologies. Make sure that your employer has got in touch with those government services so that you are getting that $1,500 a fortnight. And if you do have a bit of extra cash, you know, pay the little guy. Invest your money into the small business. Buy the donut that's $5 instead of the donut that's $3 from Woolies or Coles. Buy that $5 donut from your local cafe. Look after one another. Make sure that, you know, everyday Australians are still able to, you know, go about their daily business because at the end of the day, we rely on small business a lot in this country. So we need to ensure that we're giving back as well because that was the intention for this grant by the government. And that's only if you can afford it. Don't don't go on Uber Eats if you, you know, if you can only afford, like, a can of baked beans and toast. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, um, Uber Eats, uh, they take a significant portion out of the pay. So a lot of the time, small businesses lose money on Uber Eats orders. So if you can, just pick it up from them. Yeah, pick it up. Yeah, and get a, get a bit of sunlight while you do that as well. Because mm-hmm. being stuck inside is really killing me right now. But Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, that's a good point. Mental health is a key factor in these emotional times as well. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't re- that wasn't really financial advice, but yeah, well, this isn't really financial. Advice. We never give financial advice, right? We just give our opinions. 
yeah, that's that's the lawyer answer. Yeah. <laughs> Coming through. Not the lawyer answer, mate. Just uh, just the genuine answer. Neither of us are experts. Not oh, true. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, keep within your means. That's probably the main thing. Um, if if you're struggling with money, just chat to someone about it. Um, that's for financial reasons and for mental health because mm-hmm. uh, I doubt that anyone is. 100% calm at this point in time. Someone's mm-hmm. you've got to be stressing if if it's not for your financials, it's for your health, mm-hmm. or for your family, or just the general community. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going through some stuff right now. So if you can actually talk it out with someone and offload, then you'll be better off in in all aspects, really. Yep. Yeah. Um. Also, a good website recommendation, guys. Go to moneysmart.gov.au. Moneysmart.gov.au. That has a lot of information in regards to finances. And it has a lot of info in relation to um, government grants as well. We'll put that in the show notes. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for your time again, mate. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, guys. Hopefully the quality is all right. Hope so, yeah. Another Skype call. So, yeah. Stay strong, guys. Keep keep, uh, chugging along and uh, make sure that you're aware of what's going on. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning to the Listen and Do podcast. We've got a lot planned in the upcoming year, so you can keep up to date with what we're doing on our Instagram and Facebook pages at the LD podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Thank you for listening, and now it's time to go out and do.